everybody, welcome back to The Process. I'm Nick Veronica, joined as always by my best friend, Charlie Bukowski, and we have a special guest today, Brian Batko, Steelers beat writer for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He stopped by to talk about this week's Bills-Steelers matchup. So a big thank you to Brian for sharing his expertise with us ahead of Kenny Pickett's first career start. If you like what you hear, please remember to subscribe to the podcast to get future episodes delivered right to your phone, and please give us a five-star rating so other people can find us too. Thank you for listening, and remember to always trust the process. Nick, what is going on this week? Uh, nice comeback last week, but we got to start uh, some Steelers talk this week. Hey, Charlie, it's Bill Steelers week. We got with us a very special guest. We have Brian Batco. He's the Steelers beat writer for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian Batco, B-A-T-K-O. And he's uh, writing on the Post-Gazette website, post-gazette.com. He's my man. I've known Brian for over a decade, back to way back to my Pittsburgh days. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, what were the same intern class at the PG, Nick? Or maybe you came the year after me? I can't remember anymore. We're getting Yeah, old. that would have been 2012, 2013, 2013. Okay, so yeah, 2013, I think, uh, I think that was the first year I was full-time at the PG. So yeah, so you were an intern when I was a fresh-faced uh, – two-year associate or whatever they yes, called you were uh, where you get paid very little to do you you were one of my main uh aaron donald sources back uh but way back in the day he was a beast he was a monster still is all right so with brown we're just gonna get right into it set us the scene down in pittsburgh for us the steelers are the biggest underdog basically in the, in their modern history in in this game what is the vibe down there yeah um i mean it's picket fever first round pick kenny pickett is uh you know, it's the, the era has begun for him, and it's not just any first-round pick. It's a quarterback, and it's not just any first-round quarterback. It's a guy who played his college football right next door at the University of Pittsburgh for the Panthers. So, I mean, th- this city loves him. Uh, I think when when he was drafted 20th overall, everybody was just wondering, you know, when when are they going to turn to him? Is, is it going to be to start the season? Are they going to redshirt him for a full year, or is it going to be somewhere in between? And being a 24-year-old rookie who played five seasons at Pitt, uh, I think the the book on him was that he was a pretty pro-ready guy, and the Steelers are are going to him now in Week Five. And the funny thing about it, you know, the the vibe is definitely, I think, among fans, we're going to go get crushed up in Buffalo. <laughs> but um, you know, it's just interesting that I think when the schedule came out, if you would have looked at it and said. What is the absolute worst matchup you could start Kenny Pickett in? You probably would have pointed to week five at the Bills Mafia. And yet here we are. Uh, that's what Mike Tomlin has decided on. I guess on the other side of the coin, after this experience for him, nothing in the NFL will seem quite as difficult, hopefully. All right. Well, I guess I can only go up from here after this week. Uh, Bill, Bills fans were familiar with Mitch Trubisky from last year. What, what made it the right time to make the move to Pickett? You know, I, I'm not even necessarily sure that it was. I mean, certainly the offense was was struggling and, and couldn't really get out of its own way. And it had uh, been basically four weeks in a row of kind of the same consistent issues cropping up for them. But, you know, they, they weren't really moving in that direction in any way that we could tell from the outside. I mean, Kenny Pickett just said uh, Wednesday after practice that this was really the first time since the season started that he's gotten reps with the starters. He said he'd been on the scout team and obviously Mike Tomlin was challenging him to, uh, to, to run that group and, and still make plays, but it's not like they were 
prepping him for this. It, it seemed like they were committed to sticking with Trubisky for for at least a little while. And the other thing, guys, like, you know, you're not intimately familiar with the Steelers' schedule to this point, probably. They just had a Thursday night game uh, in week three at Cleveland. So a lot of people were thinking, okay, they lost the, their second game in a row. Trubisky was better against the Browns, but, you know, still not great. 10-day layoff, that's when you get you, you get everything ready for the rookie. You got kind of a long week, but they didn't do that. They still started Trubisky against the Jets, and mm. yeah, things uh, things went south in the first half, and the, the word that everybody's using around the Steelers facility is that Tomlin thought Kenny Pickett could be a spark, but um, you know, let's be real. When you turn things over to a first-rounder, you're not sparking it up. You are making a transition to the quarterback of the future, so I don't think Mitch Trubisky is too thrilled with it how could you be but that's just kind of uh that's kind of his lot right now in pittsburgh yeah so <clears throat> today was kenny pickett's first practice can you tell us how he looked in practice give us uh what you kind of saw out there i know you can't get too into it but right yeah nfl say, policies rules yeah. and, and stuff but yeah i mean just from from kind of talking to some players uh kind of picked up where he left off in the preseason you know he was a guy who um, you know, after they drafted him, a lot of people were wondering, how's Tomlin going to play this? Because this is new for him. Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback from the time that he got to Pittsburgh uh, in, in 2007. So he's never had to worry about a quarterback competition or a quarterback controversy. People were wondering, is it going to be, you know, Trubisky versus Pickett on a, on a level playing field in camp? That wasn't the case. Trubisky was running with the first team really from OTAs all the way through the end of the preseason, and then he was named the starter. But Pickett showed a lot in the three preseason games. Uh, he he kind of got in there with the third stringers in the first exhibition and, and played well. The second one, he got bumped up to second team and worked with the starters some more and, and played even better. So from talking to players, you know, him at practice today and even at, you know, an extension of what they saw in the second half of that Jets game, uh, you're, you're seeing a guy with confidence who's, who's willing to be a little bit more aggressive than Trubisky was. I think the sense here from a lot of people is being in that tenuous spot that Trubisky was as kind of the bridge quarterback who signed here in free agency, thinking he's going to get a chance to rekindle his career. Then uh, a month and a half later, they, they draft Pickett in the first round. It seemed like he was playing not to make mistakes and was playing uh, just to, to keep mm. the job and hold off the rookie as long as he could. As we saw that... That didn't work for Mitch and for Kenny. I just think that uh, he, he's got a little bit more uh, willingness to take shots. I think he's got some back shoulder throws in his bag that, that Mitch doesn't really have. And this this offense needs something uh, to get them in a rhythm. So maybe, maybe it'll come from the quarterback or uh, maybe he'll manage the game and, and they'll find another way to attack that Bills defense. You just mentioned some differences between Mitch and, um, and Kenny. Um do you see any differences in the playbook possibly this week going forward with the with the new quarterback going in? I think offensive coordinator Matt Canada is going to pretty much keep his scheme, and um, you know I think that's part of it too. Is you know when they drafted Pickett, uh, a lot of people were wondering what really separates him from Trubisky. I mean, they're about the same size. Uh, a lot of the traits are similar: throwing on the run, you know, decent mobility, uh, athletic, good ball handler. You know, can do the RPO stuff, play action stuff fairly accurate. So they're, they're similar players in, in the broad picture, and that probably made it easy for the Steelers to install their offense this offseason, coming off of having a very different quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger, who uh, could barely move by the end of his career. So I don't think they're going to have to change a whole lot for Kenny. I'm sure that 
there are some pieces of the playbook that he prefers to what Mitch preferred, but um, I, I don't think you're going to see much change there. What, what is kind of a, an interesting subplot to me is, you know, Pickett or excuse me, Trubisky is now running the scout team essentially with, with Pickett getting the first team rep. So uh, he's somebody who can give the Steelers a, a pretty good look at, at Josh Allen, but we talked to Levi Wallace today in the locker room, uh, former Bill, and he said, as much as he has that inside info from being there for four years, the Bills have a really good coaching staff. They're going to change schemes around. They know as well as anybody uh, what Levi knows, what Mitch knows. So I think you, like Pickett even said, I can't get too cute trying to take insight from Mitch and use it against the Bills. All right, let's stay on the offense, Brian. So maybe this is easiest to think of just from a fantasy football perspective. But if anybody, if you have a Steeler on your team, you're probably not happy with your return so far. Claypool's been okay. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Deontay Johnson. Claypool's been bad, I'm, Nick. He's, I'm sorry. He's been I'm, brutal. You're right. I'm, I'm looking at my wrong thing here. Deontay, Deontay, Deontay Johnson's, Johnson's been, been okay. Yeah. He's been okay. Claypool's been really disappointing. Najee Harris, based on where he was drafted, you're probably disappointed. Do you see any changes coming in usage, in, in target share, anything like that? So, I mean, I overdrafted Najee Harris for sure. I think I took him fourth overall in a 14-team league because I just I, – I think he's a good player and I love the volume in the Steelers' offense. That that part's been there. But, yeah, the, the O-line and the commitment to the run game and game script has not been good for him. I, I still think there's better days ahead. The O-line was, was able to improve week four against the Jets. And that now it's going to be probably even tougher against that Bills front. But uh, I do think better days are ahead for Najee Harris. And, you know, George Pickens broke out a little bit week four. I, I could kind of feel that coming. He's way too talented, and we saw way too much from him in preseason uh, for him to be as uh, seldomly targeted as he was his first three games in the NFL. So uh, I think it's going to be a, a very, very much like a whack-a-mole fantasy situation for the Steelers wide receivers. And, and that's why I didn't draft any of them, honestly, <laughs> going into the season, because I think, yeah, I mean, Deontay Johnson, he's always going to get targets for the most part, but in other weeks, you never know if it's going to be Pickens. Is it going to be a Chase Claypool week? Is it going to be a Pat Fryermuth week? Because I think he's one of the best young tight ends in the NFL. So I uh, wouldn't be surprised if, if they do try to kind of, Go to the squeaky wheel wheel right now. Not that Chase Claypool is complaining, but when you're coming off a zero catch game, I think it's just natural if you're an offensive coordinator, play caller, quarterback, you want to try to distribute the ball to, to guys who aren't getting chances. So uh, maybe you see a little bit of uptick in, in Claypool, but yeah, just generally difficult to predict what this offense is going to do on a consistent basis other than, I will say, big picture, maybe there's some hope that uh, Pickett's going to push the ball downfield more, and, and everybody is going to produce a little bit more with him at the helm. Okay, George Pickett's was going to be my follow-up question there. He seems uh, number one Twitter highlight guy and then uh, last place fantasy guy. Is, is he actually good, or is he, does he just block well for highlights? Like, What's the book on, on people who don't know what to think about George Pickens? No, he's actually good. Pickens is, Pickens is legit. You know, those first few weeks – he was mostly running deep routes on the perimeter, and Mitch Trubisky was was not about that life throwing downfield. He was trying to take care of the football, and for what it for what it's worth, it it worked out. It it paid off in in week one when they upset the Bengals and Cincy in overtime. But yeah, obviously after that things went sideways. Pickens can can really play. I mean he's uh, he's he's big, he's fast. I think he can do more after the catch even than he's shown thus far so that that 100 yard game against the jets you know i, I think you're going to see 
um, you know, more trust in him from the Steelers. He's, he's getting open more. And uh, that was a pick that when they made it, I was kind of like, okay, you know, he's coming off a year at Georgia where he really didn't play because of the injury. But now that I've seen him in person as much as we have, and he's gotten healthier recovering from the torn ACL, uh, he's he's a really, really talented player and, and probably the most talented receiver already. I mean, Deontay Johnson's a, a technician. He's great at what he does. Chase Claypool's big, strong, and, and fast, but he doesn't always play to that size. Pickens is just smooth, man. He's going he's gonna to have a lot mm-hmm. of highlights catches for sure let's talk about the defense you know i know a little bit about offense can i get into the defense uh the steelers defense is a little bit banged up what can you tell us about that injury report yeah it's rough right now um you know the the same way that the bills have been dealing with secondary injuries the steelers are are going through it right now for sure the big ones the guys who i don't think are going to play are terrell edmonds they're starting strong safety tremaine's brother of course and akello witherspoon who also missed Last week against the Jets, he's um, he's their outside corner, like the long uh, six foot three guy with with pretty decent speed. So I don't think they're going to have either of them. Minka Fitzpatrick uh, didn't practice Wednesday. He's managing a knee issue. I, I think he's going to play. Um, I mean, he's extremely valuable. If they don't have, he finished the game against the Jets. So I think this is they're just being cautious. Obviously, if he has a setback or something, I mean, you're losing one of the best safeties in the game. I mean, that's. Uh, you know, equivalent to, to losing Micah Hyde or maybe worse considering all the plays that uh, that Minka makes on the back end for the Steelers, especially if they don't have Edmonds, who's in concussion protocol. So uh, Cam Sutton's another guy who is limited right now in practice, but he was last Friday as well. So I think that's another one that they're just trying to ensure that he's good to go for Sunday. And yeah, I mean, a, a fun uh, little storyline to this one is Levi Wallace playing his former team. He's been more involved the last couple weeks when Witherspoon went down. So they, they like him as an outside corner. I don't think he was getting quite as many snaps as he expected when he signed here in the off season, but uh, they're going to need even more out of him now going forward with all these injuries. And uh, I'll be curious to see if he sees a lot of stuff on digs, you know, the Steelers are game planning him uh, trying to take him away as everybody does, but easier said than done. And I'll be you know curious to see yeah, if it's, if it's Wallace getting a lot of him, if it's Cam Sutton, or if it's just kind of, by committee, depending on where they move digs around to. One guy I always hate playing when Buffalo plays Pittsburgh is Cam Haywood. Hayward. Hayward is he? Uh, we looking? Is he a go or no go? I know he's on the injury report this week. Yeah, I mean he he was getting banged up left and right against the Jets, but I think they are just you know the fact that he's li- even limited this early in the week I think is a good sign. Hayward is really an underrated player. Um, I'm glad you're giving him his props, Charlie. He's uh, he's a, a great guy to have in the locker room, and he's just a force up front. He hasn't been nearly as impactful without TJ Watt because now teams are just doubling him yeah. on the interior, and he's had a tough go of it with that. But he's he's so durable. He's such a leader for this team. Like I can't can't imagine him missing this game. Um, so he he also. Fun fact, his locker is right next to Kenny Pickett. So, I mean, the, the longest-tenured Steeler, longtime team captain, kind of spokesman for the team is trying to take the the new guy, the rookie, under his wing. So uh, they're going to need more out of Hayward, at least until T.J. Watt can return. Obviously, he's not going to be back this week. But if, if he can beat some of those double teams, if, if he can win the rare one-on-one matchup, collapse that pocket – Maybe they can do some of the stuff that worked so well for them week one uh, when, when they beat the Bills, which by the end of last season was probably one of the more results, uh, more bizarre results in the NFL that the Steelers 
went up to Buffalo and and beat that team with Bennett quarterback. That was just uh, that was unbelievable then, and it still is. Yeah, it was unbelievable us too. So absolutely, they they <laughs> bring up old wounds. <laughs> All right, yeah, they had Melvin Ingram back then too, and uh, and and he eventually asked for a trade from the Steelers. So uh, the, that Week One defense that they, kind of similar to what they did this year against the Bengals in in Week One. I don't know that you'll uh, see that uh, level of play from the Steelers again due to injuries and just teams preparing for their defensive scheme and, and chaos. But uh, like I said, you know, it starts up front with with Hayward, and uh, he's got to do more with T.J. Watt out. I think Alex Highsmith still has the lead in, in sacks in the NFL with five and a half. Not really a big name, but uh, he's been making a lot of plays so far. He's got to make even more this week against Josh Allen. And one more question, Nick, before we go back to you. Um, obviously, it's it's no surprise that Buffalo's run game has definitely struggled. Um haven't seen too much with Pittsburgh, but how how is Pittsburgh's defense against the run? I know they're one of the worst teams against the pass, but how are they against the run, and, and is that something that Buffalo may look to try to exploit this week? Well, they were last in the league against the run uh, last season, which is unheard of in, in Pittsburgh. I mean, this is where the steel the steel curtain was made, and, uh, you know, Blitzburg defense, and uh, they, they take a lot of pride in, in smashing the run, but uh, it was a problem for them a year ago, and it, those, those issues are rearing their ugly heads again. Uh, the Browns ran all over them a couple weeks ago, but you know they, they do that to a lot of teams. Uh, the Jets were able to kind of run at will on the Steelers in, in the fourth quarter last week, and that was super disappointing and a big reason why they let that game slip away when they had a 10-point lead in the second half. So um, unless they get it straightened out, you know, if, if Cam Hayward can, can be a full go, if they can kind of get some other guys to step up on that defensive line, uh, then then maybe uh, they can bounce back. But if not, it could be a get-right game for the Bills and Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, all those guys, because the Steelers have have certainly struggled uh, dealing with the run game. And, you know, it was uh, it was good at the beginning of the season against Joe Mixon, who gashed them a couple times last year. But since then, um, it's been on a little bit of a, a downward slide. And, you know, you, you can kind of see that that aging defensive line is – uh, it's it's not plugging holes the the way that it should. Yeah, I think I speak for all of Bills Mafia when uh, I say I hope this is a get back right game for this running uh, running team because let's face it, um, I think we're all tired of seeing Josh Allen run as much as he is, and I want to keep. Yeah, Kenny Pickett said that today. Him. Somebody somebody uh, in the Pittsburgh media asked Kenny Pickett like, "Is Josh Allen a guy you kind of watch and try to take things?" from his game. And he's like, yeah, I, I love watching him, but I do know one thing I will say, I do not want to take as many hits as Josh Allen. So, uh, so Kenny Pickett has his head in the right place as far as that goes. Kenny Pickett also has that fake slide in his back pocket, just in case we got to watch out for that. Yes, that is probably his signature play to this point. Um, had, they had to put the role in, in college football, I guess. So uh, yeah, he's, he's got a talk to one of his former teammates today for a, a story that I'm doing on him uh, for the Sunday newspaper. He said, he's, said Kenny Pickett has a swag switch that he turns on. So uh, you better have that ready to go because, you know, swag is only going to take you so far when you're a 14-point underdog. But, hey, he said today that the outside world is going to see the Steelers as underdogs, but they don't see themselves that way. And it is 0-0 when the game starts, and at that point the Vegas line doesn't mean anything. But, yeah, obviously it's a, it's a tough spot for a rookie making his first start. Not just against the Bills' defense, but you got to try to – put as many points on the board as as Josh Allen in the Bills offense, which hopefully the Steelers defense can help him out with that. This has been uh, great stuff here, Brian. We got a couple of minutes left. If I could just ask you for – give us the 10,000-foot view here. We we saw last year the Steelers 
made the playoffs with the ghost of Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. And there, there were ways you could maybe squint and turn your head and say, maybe this team improved in some ways at quarterback this year. They should still be a playoff team, possibly. And now four weeks in, a month in, we're, we're looking at them at the bottom of the standings here. So, so what are you thinking – you know, in the near future, and then maybe even a little bit wider. What you know is is Tomlin hot seat at all in 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 the realm of possibility? I don't think so. But I mean, with him, it's nice to have somebody like that to oversee this. The, the way I see it, Nick, is just it's a transitional year. I mean, Deontay Johnson the other day made some waves locally because he used the word rebuilding year, which they never say here in Pittsburgh. You know, they haven't had a losing season obviously uh, since Ben Roethlisberger was drafted and. Now they are going into a, a point now where, uh, yeah, things are changing. Um, they're, they're not that same team that you always felt like they had a chance to make a run as long as number seven was at quarterback. They've, they've got to figure out what their identity is now. I thought it would be build things around Najee Harris in the running game, get back to playing great defense and you know win games that way. But that's easier said than done in the modern NFL. If you don't have one of these freakish alien quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert or – your guy up in Buffalo, it's it's very difficult, I think, to keep pace. So um, they need Kenny Pickett. You know, if he's not going to be quite that guy, uh, they need him to elevate everything. And this week's going to be really fun because it's going to be the first chapter in that book to, to find that out. So with Tomlin, I mean, he, he takes his fair share of heat here for sure. It seems like the general vibes in Pittsburgh are that he is more appreciated nationally than he is – here locally because he hasn't won a playoff game in six years that's unheard of and, and basically unacceptable when when you're Steeler Nation and you're used to so much success but um, you know they've they've got a, a new era dawning now and you know he's going to be a big part of it of course Kenny Pickett's going to be a big part of it and I didn't expect them to be a playoff team this year I expect them to be kind of where they've been hanging on the fringe hovering around 500 uh, but this next stretch of game starting with the Bills is very difficult because then it's the the Bucks, then it's the Eagles, then it's the Dolphins. So that's twelve and four combined. Um, you know the last undefeated team thrown in there for good measure. Uh, good good luck to Kenny Pickett and company as they try to sort this thing out uh, against what we think, at least right now, and in such a parody heavy NFL is a murderer's row coming up. I will say I think Kenny Pickett's first wins coming against Miami. I'll say it right now. Yeah, I'm not totally buying the Dolphins. I mean, it, like. Even the Eagles, they, they look good so far, but they don't strike me as a as an unbeatable outfit. I think this is the, the toughest game for them right now. Even with Tampa Bay coming uh, mm-hmm. to Pittsburgh next weekend, you know, they've got to get some things straightened out uh, with their offense. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be uh, very fascinating to cover. We have not had this sort of quarterback storyline here in Pittsburgh in a very long time. So uh, it all starts Sunday up in Buffalo. Hey. Kenny Pickett had his uh, red shirt burned at Pitt his freshman year in Syracuse. So uh, maybe there's something to be said for him getting these upstate New York games out of his system early. Absolutely. Absolutely. One more question for you for me. You mentioned the word alien. Mike Thomas this week called Von Miller an alien. Can you just elaborate on that for Bill's Mafia? Because I'm sure they probably are kind of taking it out of context on our side. A year or two ago, uh, when TJ Watt was really starting to rip teams up and league and sacks, somebody asked Tomlin about what makes him special. And he said, TJ is visiting from another planet. So that seems to be his go-to line for uh, the very, very best of the best. I think he's now used it on TJ, 
Vaughn, and I think Aaron Donald is the only other player that I've heard him put in the extraterrestrial category. So uh, I think Vaughn Miller's in very, very good company there. Not only did Tomlin say that, he thanked him for, I guess he must have dominated a Pro Bowl a few years ago when he was with the Broncos and Tomlin and, and the Steelers coaches were the, the Pro Bowl staff. He Tomlin even said, he's like, we don't need to get too far into what happened in a Pro Bowl, but just know that Vaughn Miller dominated. We got extra uh, money in our game checks from coaching that, so I'm always appreciative of Vaughn Miller. So there you go. Maybe they'll maybe they'll have a little hug and hand pound before or after the game. Love that. Hey, Brian, we got to ask you real quick before you go here. Every time we do uh, a guest in a lightning round, Charlie's first question is always asking them because that's usually Buffalo people. Where do you go for chicken wings? But uh, if you if you could just just what's the, the the chicken wing scene like in Pittsburgh? I think it's pretty good. Um, I think the the main one here is a place called Big Shot Bob, which uh, has has branched off into many locations. But the OG one, where it's just like one dude in the back frying them up, taking the orders at the counter, putting the sauce on them, packaging them up, and giving them to you, just a one man show. Uh, that's that's probably my go to spot for wings here, Big Shot Bob. All right, love that. So. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Hey, Brian, tell people where they can find you. Yeah, just uh, like Nick said at the top, you know, my Twitter is just my my name. And yeah, post-gazette.com. We also have our own weekly podcast. If you want to hear some more uh, Steelers talk to get you ready for this weekend, it's called the North Shore Drive. Uh, that's where the Post-Gazette's located in Pittsburgh. I don't know if Nick remembers that, but it, it, it moved uh, from when I was there. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It did. Uh, but Heinz, well, I almost called it Heinz Field. Acrisure Stadium. <laughs> is also right there too. So you can find the North Shore Drive podcast, um, you know, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, really wherever you get it. And we're on YouTube. So check us out, see what we have to say. Uh, my next episode on there will be Friday morning, previewing Steelers Bills. They love it, Brian. Thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Yep. Have a good one, guys. Enjoy the game. Thank Thanks, you. Brian. Take care. Yep. All right, Charlie, we just heard from Brian Batko at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Brian, thank you again for the time. Charlie, what was your biggest takeaway from here, Brian? Talk about the Steelers. Honestly, I think how, how ready a lot of people feel like Kenny Pickett may be at this point. You know, I think he's got a tough matchup coming in against Buffalo. Let's face it, Buffalo's defense, especially Buffalo's second-half defense, has been unbelievable at this point. They've only allowed seven points in the second half, and those seven points came against Miami uh, You know, on a deep ball with your – starting defensive backs out and you're starting safeties out. So, uh, you know, that's saying a lot about this, this, this Buffalo Bills team and this Buffalo Bills defense, um, you know, but I'm ready to see what Kenny Pickett can do. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about him. He's the one, I think out of all the quarterbacks who came out last year, he's the one that I felt was most ready um, and most ready to come in and start day one. So we'll see exactly what Kenny Pickett can do this week. It was a bit of a weird quarterback class in this draft too. And if, you know, if we had, all day long, I would have picked Brian's brain on everything, but I, I would have liked to ask him, you know, what, what was really the book on Kenny Pickett? Cause you say, you know, he's the first quarterback drafted and you think, wow, that, that's amazing. And then he, he was 20th overall. And then you're like, Oh really? Because if usually if there's a quarterback who's any good, any period at all, that's teams are moving up to take them in, you know, one, two, three range. So the fact that you fell to 20th, that's, that's a, you know, a bit of a surprise and people made a big deal about his, his small hands or whatever. But I think that's a little, overblown i think the you know the weather this week should be uh okay it's, it might be windy but um i don't, I don't know do you, do you do you have any thoughts from draft season on kenny pickett no i think you know the small hands thing i think every year kind of gets blown out of proportion and you know you always hear every every draft season a team putting out some smoke screens 
to the media to try to keep their guy covered. Maybe that's something the Steelers put out. Oh, Kenny Pickett's got small hands. Everyone stay away, right? Um, I think he's a guy that the Steelers had had a lot of tape on. He played right next door. They saw him a lot. Um, you know, it's similar, similar in my opinion, to what you kind of see with guys in, a, in the NHL. When guys are getting drafted in the second, third round of the NHL draft, it's usually a lot of guys who have played close to that home, to, to, to that team, that team has been able to watch often or came up through something in that team system and they were able to watch that player develop over time. Um, so similar to Kenny Pickett, I think the Steelers knew what they were getting with Pickett when he came out. I think ideally Pittsburgh would have liked to wait a year, let him sit, let him learn. Um, you know, this week on, on, you know, Josh Allen was on uh, one of the podcasts. He mentioned how his first start, you know, came week two and he was not ready. He was trying to, uh, you know, shift protection in the line and was trying to tell the guys one thing. And they're looking at him like, Hey, you, you can't do that here. Like, what are you doing? And Josh Allen's just trying to point different directions. And he was all confused. I'm not expecting that from Kenny Pickett. I think Kenny will be ready to go. Um, however, I just think the Bills defense, you know, given what they're doing with just the front four alone and, you know, you want to throw Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds in there as well. I think he's going to have his hands full, you know, absolutely. But he's another guy, you know, not as fast or as shifty as a Lamar Jackson, but he's a guy who can definitely get out of the pocket and, and run with the ball a little bit similar to what we see with Josh Allen. So I don't know if you're familiar NFL.com with their draft profiles that they, they rank, they give everybody a score always in an NFL comp. So his NFL comp they said is prime Andy Dalton. And the score they gave him as a prospect um, is 6.4, which, which to put on a scale for you, uh, eight is a perfect prospect. Seven and a half is perennial all pro. Uh, so basically the, they have a, a number for year one starter. That's like a six, seven to six, eight, six, nine. And then they have uh, go down two more after year one starter will become good starter within two years. That's kind of how they saw Kenny Pickett. So basically what we're thinking from pre-draft is that it is still early for him. Is yeah, he, is he, is he going to so. maybe by the end of the year, is he going to have Pittsburgh playing? All right. Maybe like right out of the gate against the bills. Like it really could be ugly this year. And I, I, I like him a lot more than people like Nathan Peterman. But I don't. I don't think we're in for for a Peterman special here. But I, I'll, I'll say it's this: early the, for him. The things that Kenny Pickett had going for him right now in Pittsburgh is strictly Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin, in my opinion, and and I think, um, you know, we we mentioned it a little bit, but I think Mike Tomlin is one of the better coaches in the league, and I think he does a really good job week in week out getting his team ready to play football. And you know, with Mike Tomlin being the guy under center for him. Uh, you know, or the guy, the guy behind him. Um, I really think that Kenny Pickett's going to come out. Look, don't be surprised if at some point Pittsburgh. And I'm not saying you know the first drive, second drive, whatever. You know, maybe even going into half. Don't be, don't be surprised if Kenny Pickett's put put up some good numbers and uh, you know, and, and maybe even having Pittsburgh out to lead. Now, I don't think Pittsburgh wins the game <laughs> by any means. I think Buffalo's defense and Josh Allen alone is is, is enough. Um, however. Don't be surprised if, if Kenny gets things going. Don't forget, this is, a, this is a guy that Buffalo has not seen. There's really no tape on him outside of preseason. So you really don't know what to expect as a defense coming in to play a, a, a rookie quarterback. That's true. I think even if Kenny has a great game, I still don't see how, how Pittsburgh is going to outscore Buffalo. I know we talked about how their defense is maybe underrated a little bit. I had not realized at all. Alex Highsmith, five and a half sacks. That's second in the NFL. Nick Bosa's got six for San Francisco. 
had not realized that at all. You'd think with TJ Watt out that they would be hurting a little bit. Uh, and I'm sure Josh Allen is really glad he doesn't have to see TJ Watt out there. Um, how do you see – is there any way outside of weather or an injury that you see the Bills being held under 30 in this game? Um, I mean, honestly, I think play calling, right? Like, I really think that was the issue against Miami. I think that that was the issue in the first half against uh, Baltimore last week was the, the play calling was not, you know, anything special. Um, I felt like the last couple of weeks – Ken Dorsey has kind of, I don't want to say play called scared, but I do feel like he has kind of play called safe, I guess you could say. Hmm. Um, you know, when let's face it, I think we said it even last year on the podcast, he's got to find a way to just let Josh cook, let Josh go out there, let Josh do his thing, whether it's on the ground or with his arm and, you know, do it. I don't want to see Josh Allen throwing the ball 63 times this game. I'd like to see Josh Allen on the bench by middle of the third quarter again. Um, but I really think that, you know, outside of weather and everything else, it could be Buffalo's play calling and, you know, what they do on that offensive side of the ball that can maybe keep this game close. All right. Do you want to get right into our picks right now? Uh, yeah, let's go. What do you got? All right. Well, let, you know, we talked about the fact that it is basically the largest point spread. Like, this, those are the biggest underdogs in their modern history, which is kind of crazy. Um, some Some – most, I guess you could say, most books had the line of around 14 points. The Bills are favored by two touchdowns, which is huge, like literally huge. That's the biggest line in the NFL this week by far. I don't even have to look. I will look just to make sure I don't say anything wrong. But, like, you, you do not see lines like that. And maybe it – That's uh, college football lines. Yeah, maybe growing up in Bills drought, I feel like kind of – I had to overcome that when I first started learning about, about game lines. I'm like, oh, you know, the Bills will probably lose by, you know, 10 or 14 or 20. Like, that's pretty standard. And it, that's not usual. Like, 14 mm-hmm. is, is – that just doesn't happen in the NFL too often. So, especially you think, yo, well, they're way better. And then you guys play fantasy football. You know how big garbage time is in the NFL. Starters come out. People don't, don't want to get hurt. They're protecting. And look at that. The other team scored 10 points at the end of the game. It right. don't matter. Uh, all right, I'm going to go I, – I want to like Kenny Pickett. I think he – like the hand size thing was almost irrelevant to me. He got so much shit for that. I want to like him. I'm just – I'm not seeing how he comes out of the gate right away. So I'm sure there will be some things that are not on film. And Sean McDermott loves the film and preparing, and they make these halftime adjustments and everything. So I'm going to give Kenny Pickett a little bit of credit where I – Normally would not have even done that for a team struggling as bad. Bills, 33, Steelers, 16. Wow, we're actually very close on our picks this week. Uh, I got the Bills winning 35-17. Oh, okay. Uh, I think it's a close game at halftime. I think it's going to have me and many of Bills Mafia ripping their hair out. Like, why is this game this close? It shouldn't be. Um you know, I could see this being a first-half Dolphins game all over again. I think Pittsburgh's defense is very good, with or without uh, Terrell Edmonds and, you know, with or without Fitzpatrick. However, it depends on what happens with the defensive backs and, and, and what Buffalo's looking to do. Look, Gabe Davis has not looked healthy the last few weeks. He still looks like he's nursing that injury a little bit. You know, now you're down Jameson Crowder. You're possibly down Isaiah McKenzie. Um, you know, they, they lost Tavon Austin today, who I thought was going to be the guy that they were going to call up this week. Um, onto the main roster, given what Sean McDermott said last week. Um, but maybe this is a week we see Isaiah Hodgins come in and, and step up and, and, and go off. And, 
You know, you're still down Jay Kumaro and guys like that. So Buffalo's shorthanded at that receiver position. But the guys that they do have that are healthy, Stefan Diggs, uh, Shakir, uh, you know, Davis-ish, um, you know, those guys have no problem getting open. And, and, and I just think at the end of the day, that's just going to be too much for a depleted Pittsburgh defense. All right, so we uh, were both taking taking the Bills minus fourteen here. Uh, the the only thing I heard possibly weather related is that it could be windy, like very windy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna check on that before. That would be the only thing that I think could uh, slow down offense in this game would be be high winds. But um, I don't think that'll slow down. Josh Allen. I mean, look, we said that in the wind game too, right? Like, um, yeah, the wind, the wind, the wind. Josh Allen threw the ball how many times? The wind didn't slow down his ball whatsoever. Um, one thing, too, that I forgot to mention, you know, as a reminder, uh, Sean McDermott is 7-3 and three against rookie quarterbacks, and one of those three losses came in a blizzard, wind, monsoon, whatever the heck you want to call it, um, against uh, New England last year. So, you know, I kind of give him 7-2 and two in that one. If you want my opinion, I don't count that game, but – you know, based on the NFL records, he is seven and three against rookie quarterbacks. So I just think this Bills defense is just going to be be pumped up, ready to go. All right, uh, let's talk. You want to go around the league? Or you want to talk about Baltimore? Uh, let's talk Baltimore real quick. I mean, we don't spend a lot of time on it. I mean, look, you're, you're, I was I don't know about you, man. I was ripping my hair out first half. A uh, lot of profanities. I think my son learned some new words uh, in the <laughs> first half. Did say say words yet? Uh, not yet, but I'm pretty sure the words that he will say first will not be good words <laughs> in this house. But um, no, I mean, I, I, I was hyped up. I was expecting more out of this Bills team. I thought first half they came out looking, I don't know, lackluster might not be the word, you know, um, unmotivated, un, un, um, you know, not excited. I, I don't know what other words to really use here, but they did not seem like a team that was ready to play football. Uh, in the first half, then all of a sudden they got those points at the end of of the second quarter, went into halftime, down by ten, and you know that's all she wrote. It was the excuse me, the biggest comeback in Bills have had under Sean McDermott at halftime. But I thought the well, team can't win close games. Funny, funny how that came up. It was a, uh, we, we actually wrote about about that. Uh, we had Jerry Sullivan in the locker room asking the tough questions. Uh, um, Dawson Always. Knox, Dawson Knox had a great answer. I got, I got to look this up because it was so funny. Um, well, yeah, well, they, they had they had lost seven games in a row by by le- or seven one score games in a row were all losses, and you know you saw the reasons why against Miami. It's like like poise and like very little things that they weren't doing right, and in this game. Uh, they did them, and they they finished it off. And you got to be able to finish a lot of times. You got to win games. You shouldn't win sometimes because you do the little things right, and that and that includes clock management and coaching. I thought that this was one of the best clock management games of Sean McDermott's career, and I think that's always something that goes against Sean McDermott is is clock management. And can I just say I am so tired of seeing these idiots on face on on, on Twitter talking about how. Sean McDermott this and and he's he's not a good coach and you know Bill's Mafia won't accept it like dude Sean McDermott is a good coach he's gotten this team to the playoffs how many times in a row he's gotten this team on the cusp of the AFC championship you know last year they were at in the AFC championship the year before that like give the guy some credit yeah does he have one or two bad games a year yes but show me a football team that doesn't even when 
um, New England was dominant. Even their undefeated year. You know what? They had New England had great games throughout the regular season and the playoffs. And guess when they decided to have their one bad game of the year in the Super Bowl. So teams do always teams do find a way to have a bad game. Last year, I think it was Jacksonville from Buffalo. This year, I think it may have been the Miami game for Buffalo. But enough with the Sean McDermott slander. I will not allow it anymore. <laughs> Even after 13 seconds, he will not allow it. No, I will not because I still don't feel like that fell on him. I still think that's a Leslie Frazier issue, and I still think that that came down to special teams issue. That's why the special teams coach is not here anymore. All right, so listen, let's, I'm going to go back to, to the one-score thing. Uh, it was Dawson Knox was asked in the locker room last week, you know, this team is so good. They have, they have 20 consecutive wins by 10 or more points. How can they also not be able to seemingly finish one-score games? Dawson Knox says, I don't have an answer for you on that. It's one of those things we've got to work on. Follow-up question. Does it bug you guys at all? Quote, what do you think, Knox said with a laugh. Then he gave a look that signaled it was the end of the interview. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that's how it's going. You're kind of looking at me like, are you effing kidding with this question? Is kind, of, is kind of the vibe. And you can just picture Dawson Knox with his you know big curly hair looking, just staring down at you because he's six foot whatever. And just like, what What do you think? Yeah, and, I, and you're just like, oh, okay. And then, But then they went out and did it, which is why it's so great. Right. I, I like Jerry. I'm one of the few Buffalo folks that like Jerry Sullivan. For those reasons, for the questions that he asks, um, but I know that those questions and the reaction that he gets from players is why so many people don't like him. But it's such a Jerry Sullivan like way to end end a little press conference in front of a locker. Like, oh, okay, that's it. He's like, that's it. I'm done. Don't stop taking questions from this guy. Um, I, mean, I mean, listen, like if, if you know he didn't choose to write that, nobody would have known that it happened. Like, like that that you got to be able to ask tough questions, and that's what fans are thinking. And it's it's great to be able to go in there and just ask what, you know, what a fan really thinks, you know, the guys at the bar complaining to each other would love to have an answer on that question. Even if, you know, in public and on Twitter and, you know, nobody's going to say anything that's anti bills mafia on Twitter or else face the wrath of bills, of other bills mafia, like deep down, are they saying that? Are they venting at the bar? Like maybe. Yeah. And they wish that they had an answer for that stuff. And it's great to be able to ask it. Yeah, you know, and I think one thing we all got to remember, one thing about luck, man, I mean, that's what those those games sometimes come down to is luck. But, you know, you can have bad luck for seven, eight games in a row. Eventually that luck is going to switch, and it's been proven in the NFL over and over again. Before the Bills were seven or were 0-7 in, in one-score games, I believe that they were, you know, what, 8-2, and 8-3 and three in one-score games before they went on that 0-7 run. So – Luck switches. It's just the way the NFL works, and it's the way things work. Coaches learn, teams learn. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if you know, we start seeing Buffalo's luck change a little bit here. But Nick, let's go around the NFL real quick. We have a new segment this week that I like to call "Good Vibes." Uh, Nick, you are going to give us who has your good vibes of the week. All right, maybe this is a little lame in some people's eyes because they're the only undefeated team left. I got to go with the Eagles. This was uh, an upstart Jaguars team coming in 2-1 and one against the 3-0 Eagles. Jaguars got out to a 14-0 lead in the first quarter, and I, I'm seeing the score flash across the screen. I said, what? I thought, I mean, I knew Jacksonville was bad. They're beating the Eagles 14-0, and then what happened? The Eagles responded with 29 consecutive points, 129-21. Jalen Hurts, uh, 
I know he may not have all the numbers Josh Allen has. I would I would think if if you pulled people now, which is ridiculous because it's only before games, but if you were, I would think Jalen Hurts would steal a significant amount of MVP, MVP votes from Josh Allen. Uh, yeah. L- l- well, let me ask you this question. Do the Eagles remind you of another team from Pennsylvania a few years ago that went on quite a undefeated streak? Gee, Charlie, who could you be referencing? <laughs> Maybe Pittsburgh. I mean, that, that to me, I, I'll say no, right? I, I don't think – I think this Philadelphia Eagles team is much better. I think Jalen Hurts is much better than what Brent Roethlisberger was at that time. I think Nick Sirianni is, is a very good football coach. Buffalo's own Nick Sirianni, by the way. Um, what a matchup that would be if, if if they make it to the Super Bowl against one another. But, um, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think – is Philadelphia for real or are they – Kind of flukes. Uh, to me, b- before the year of Philadelphia was kind of in the same bucket as Miami, where I loved the roster and I was not yet sold on the quarterback. But saying that, Jalen Hurts, I thought was much, much more impressive as a as a rookie than than Tua had been the year before. So I, I would, in my head, they were Miami, but higher. And, and I didn't think they were number one, number two in the NFL, higher. But but you know, top definitely top fifth top top 15, top half, but probably in the top 10 somewhere. Uh, are they for real? I mean, you're looking around and, and I, you know, people love to see things that are proven, but like what, what else do they have to compete with right now? The giants, I maybe like, are they three and one? Are they going to be up there at the end of the year? I still don't think so. Dallas. I know, I know that's your Super Bowl team, Charlie, but uh, Cooper rush is surprisingly winning. I don't know what's going to happen when Prescott comes back. Dallas, I'm like, Dallas is not good vibes. Um, this, like, who, like who else is left? Like, yeah, the Eagles are for real because no one's coming to knock them off. No, I mean, absolutely. Um, let me ask you, you mentioned Cooper Rush real quick. Like, I gotta, gotta mention it given what he's doing. He's the first quarterback ever in Dallas Cowboy history to win, you know, four games in a row. He looks good, yada, yada, yada. What does, does this Cooper Rush situation with Dak Prescott? remind you at all of a Tom Brady drew Bledsoe situation, you know, now obviously Dak has the money. Dak's getting paid half a billion dollars. He's getting a lot of money from Dallas. You if really Cooper want Rush your keeps... Super Bowl pick to come true. Don't you? No, I'm not saying Cooper Rush can be the guy that takes the Super Bowl. <laughs> what I'm saying is, could you possibly see Dallas a saying, look, I feel like we're going to start seeing the Dak Prescott, Injury news striking a little bit more vague and a little bit more vague, a little bit more vague as long as Cooper Rush keeps winning this team football games. And if Cooper Rush does keep winning football games, do you think Dallas says, do we try to shop Dak Prescott and hopefully stays in the NFC and does not come to the NFC? Well, I mean, Dak's in an interesting spot because it seems like, you know, if, if they were losing a bunch, he'd probably try to rush back from the injury to, to save the season. Uh, and now that Cooper Rush is winning so much, it seems like he's trying to rush back to save his job. So I think so far, at least what I've heard out of the Cowboys, that they're saying the right things, which is Dak is our guy, and when he's healthy, he's back. But m- maybe like if, if they – and I know everyone like deep down is a little bit worried of losing their job in the NFL because it's so, it's so hyper-competitive. If they could really just let Dak like, just chill and be like, dude, just get healthy. Like, Don't rush back. It's still your – like, don't worry about it. And just get him full strength. I mean, I think Dak Prescott full strength is one of the better, much better quarterbacks 
in this league. And I think they have the weapons to, for him to be successful. He's got to be healthy. So I would – I'm sure Cooper Rush is saying, screw that. I want to play every game. I'm winning. Don't take me out when I'm winning. Is he – I don't know how much of the Cowboys he's seen. Is he lighting it up? Like I still feel like they're at this point they're still going back to Dak. Yeah, I won't be surprised to go back to Dak. I mean, again, you know, to me it's it's like – Josh Allen going down and, you know, Jake Fromm last year stepping up and winning five, six games in a row. I'm not sticking with Jake Fromm. You know, if anything, I'm looking to move Jake Fromm as opposed to moving a Josh Allen because I know what Josh Allen can bring to the table. And maybe that's what Dallas looks to do is move a Cooper Cup at the end of the year and say, look, this guy can come in and win football games and see what he can do as a starter somewhere else. You know, I'll I'll be curious to see where he ends up or what ends up happening there, but I feel like that's a, a good story to watch. And he is my guy right now who I got some good vibes on Cooper Rush. Okay. I mean, They've won three games in a row with him, but they've won with 20 points, 23 points, and 25 points. I think they're getting excellent defense, and they haven't played the greatest teams. They did. They started with a win against the Bengals, which I was very surprised by. Uh, the Bengals were having a lot of trouble at the start of the year keeping Joe Burrow upright, and he's. We, we've said the same thing about Josh Allen in years past. He's a great quarterback. You can't do anything when he's got no time to throw. you got to take care of your guy. So they won that game 2017. Then they beat the Giants and the Commanders. The, the, you know, a win is a win is a win, but I'm not, I'm not, oh my gosh, this guy just beat the Commanders. Like that's, that's not like. I'm not ready to crown him after that win. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be curious. Like I said, I think it's a, a good story to follow and see where things end up, you know, and see uh, how quick Dak or this Dallas Cowboys team tries to rush Dak back from injury at this point. I think it's just kind of. Wait and see with Dak, and, and and I think Dallas wants him to take his time and let Cooper Rush keep doing what he's doing. But, you know, how long can good defense last and how long can he keep winning by only scoring 23, 25 mm-hmm. points a game? I'll be uh, curious to find out and see how that works. Did you see any of Patriots Packers? I did. That game was very frustrating to watch. But, <laughs> you know, I think, uh, you know, at the same time, as frustrating as that was to watch, I think, um, you know, we know who New England is. We know what New England's going to be. That's the that is the Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm sorry. That's the Packers team I was expecting all year long. Is a, a Packers team that just really with no defense and really just having shootouts every single game and just Aaron Rodgers coming in doing Aaron Rodgers things at the end. Um, but I won't be surprised if if you know the Packers make the playoffs and are out first round. I think they're still a playoff team at this point. But you know I'm not as high on them as I think what most of the you know quote unquote experts and in the NFL football are. Bailey Zappi, huh? Does he not look just like Mac Jones? Like, they could be twins. <laughs> Somebody tweeted something. You know, Bailey Zappi is the guy who plays Mac Jones in the Netflix doc by <laughs> Alabama football or something. I mean, he, he looks just like him. He could be, you know, they throw the ball very similar, very similar quarterback styles. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not too high on him. I'm not, not you know, not getting a lot of good vibes from from either one of those teams or either one of those quarterbacks, and you know, definitely not getting good vibes from Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I've been down on Rodgers all year, have, needing overtime to beat this Bailey Zappi team. Did did not, you know, I know they won. Did not reinforce anything for me. No, I'll be, um, you know, I'll be watching that Patriots game this week fairly closely as well and see where. Where Billy Zapp- Bailey Zappi gets and, and and what this team looks like, but uh, I tell you, one person, Alan, Alan Lazard, is mm. is trending up for me. I think every 
you know, Rodgers has had Devontae Adams to lean on for so long, and he, you know, you'd always hope, oh, is Lazard, is MVS, is, is tight end, is somebody going to, gonna, you know, be relevant in fantasy football for you outside of Adams? And usually it's it's been no. Uh, some, Aaron Rodgers has to throw to somebody, and Lazard seems to be his his certainly his favorite target here. I, I, I think Arrow, Arrow for him is up. Good vibes on Alan Lazard. Yeah, we'll see what happens because, you know, Buffalo's going to have Green Bay here in a couple weeks, uh, right after the bye, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's Pittsburgh, Kansas City bye week, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, bye weeks after KC. Yeah, bye week and then Green Bay, and that's the perfect time for Buffalo to go out and get healthy and, and get some of these guys back, get Ed Oliver back, get Jordan Phillips back, get those guys healthy after a week off, come in and play a good Green Bay team, and hopefully, you know, come in and play a good uh, um, uh, Vikings team and, uh, you know, See what Justin Jefferson can do. I'll be curious to see how hyped Diggs is to play his former team that week. Uh, but uh, Justin Jefferson has had a few quiet weeks, had a big week last week in London. See what happens this week. All right, last question for you. The Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes played against Tom Brady and the Bucks. Did yeah. you have a rooting interest either way in that game? I just wanted both teams to lose. <laughs> <laughs> like like if there was one game this year that I wish let it in a tie, like a zero zero tie, it would have been that game. Um well I mean like I I honestly I don't have a lot against Pat you know against Patrick Mahomes. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I hate watching him as a as not a Chiefs fan because the shit he pulls off in a game, it's just it's so frustrating. It's like if, if any other quarterback did that or if he if he did that and it was an interception, it's still, oh, my gosh, look how great Patrick Mahomes is doing this. But if it, Josh Allen or any other quarterback does it, it's all over national media. It's all, look what an idiot this guy is, or whatever it might be. So, um, you know, that's the one thing that I was not super high on with Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, I'd like to see both both guys tie next time. It would be nice. All right, Charlie, we're going to end up here. We're going to throw it back to you. Uh, the floor is yours again. I know you have some charities you want to plug uh, that are helping out in – in the Fort Myers area. Yeah. So just a couple, I know I, I mentioned last week that, you know, I'd be working on some stuff, uh, working with some of my buddies from Southwest Florida, um, who we, we play fantasy football with Nick and, 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 you know, we've all have since left the Southwest Florida area area for a number of reasons, but, you know, just want to throw some cherries out there for you guys. If, if anyone is feeling generous, I know Bill's mafia is always feeling generous to donate somewhere and help, help out those, uh, you know, a little less fortunate than us or, or, or those in need. Um, I will say, as things have gone on since last week, um, you know, I'm not looking forward to going back to Fort Myers from what I've heard. You know, the town is gone. It's not the town I grew up with. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the beach is 90% gone. Uh, Shops, people's livelihood. And and if you've never been down to Fort Myers, uh, that beach isn't like a Miami beach or a South Beach or something like this. It is small, little beach shacks, family-owned, that have been in families for generations um you know and those people have lost everything I, I have a good friend of mine who owns a restaurant down there uh and his grandparents were the owners they're ready to retire november 1st and uh they lost the entire restaurant they're ready to sell it to the next generation and they, they lost the whole restaurant lost everything don't know what they're going to do um so people are really in need of everything down there i i have friends who have lost houses i have friends who have been displaced who are living with other friends right now sleeping on couches moving around, doing everything. So so they can use your help down there. Um, a few that I wanted to kind of throw out there to everybody, 
Uh, one is the Think Pineapple Foundation. So they are a foundation to help those in the food industry. You know, again, like I mentioned, most of this uh, place is is completely gone. Um, restaurants are, are, are still not open due to lack of power, due to no water, due to still being underwater or being completely destroyed. Uh, so those people uh, currently have no, no, no income, no jobs, no nothing. So one way to help them out and help those in the food industry is to donate to the Think Pink Foundation. Another foundation is the St. Matthew's House. They just help those in need and, and all the money from all these organizations, 100% of it goes to the people in need. It's not like some of those other organizations that keep a profit for themselves as well. All this goes 100% to those in need. Um, another one that I really like is Eva's Closet uh, and Foundation. They are ones that help with you know getting clothes on people's backs or anything else that people may need, um, lending them a hand to find housing and things like that. So Eva's Closet and Foundation is another one. And finally, my favorite one that I have actually donated to, I know my wife has donated to, is Captains for Clean Water. They do a lot of good in Florida already before Hurricane Ian. Uh, but on top of it, they are you know, responsible for really trying to keep the Gulf of Mexico and the waters throughout Florida clean and healthy for the fish, for the animals, uh, for everyone in the Florida area. So they're not just a Southwest Florida comp, uh, uh, charity. They, they do handle all of Florida, but they're currently taking donations for supplies and things like that to help rebuild the Southwest Florida area. So um, all of these you know, you guys can take a look at, I will make sure when we tweet out about the podcast this week, I'll make sure to mention those as well for you guys to uh, take a visit to. And I would really appreciate if, if our listeners could, could help out some of these people in need and some of those people back in my, my former home. Hey, absolutely. Charlie, I'm going to check for that thread. As soon as soon as you post it, we're going to go through there. I don't know the details yet. We're going to get some money based on how many points the bill score, whatever it might be something to each one of those charities. If anybody listening wants to help out, if you want to set up a matching thing, if you want to, like, we, we are down to do that. Absolutely. This is something very close to us. We are down. We'll, we'll figure something out. Maybe one, $1 for every point that Bill scored at each of those charities. I don't, I don't know. This, I, I can't do the math in my head right now. We'll, we'll figure it out. You listen <laughs> we'll, we'll to figure it out. No, we'll I, I appreciate that, Nick. No, that, that'd be great. I would appreciate that. And yeah, well, you and I will definitely uh, figure that out once, you know, let's see what the bills do this week and, um, you know, see what we can do with Bill's mafia. I know, like I said, Bill's mafia is, one of, if not the best uh, fan base in the NFL, in the league, uh, you know, and just in general. So um, I'll be curious to see what we can what we can get together with Bill's Mafia. So I, I really appreciate that. And um, Hey, let me ask you, to Fort Myers is a, a lot of Buffalo expats live there. Yes. Is, is, there a, is there a specific uh, Bill's Backers, Fort Myers bar? That is there a group that's, that's doing a lot for donations? So I haven't seen any of the Bill's Backers groups yet. Um, you know, I know the bar that we used to go to. I actually, you know, for those who don't know, I don't know if I've mentioned on the podcast before. Uh, I was actually, I actually ran the Bill's Backers bar, uh, Bill's Backers Southwest Florida in at Rondeo's in Fort Myers. Um, Rondeo's is luckily okay. They had some water. Uh, I know they've been doing food and stuff this week out of the uh, out of the kitchen and just doing pizzas and things like that just to kind of feed the neighborhood. You know, most of that neighborhood behind them flooded and a lot of those people lost their houses. Uh, however, Rondeos was lucky enough to to make it through the storm. So, um, you know, they're doing a lot. I have not seen what Bill's Mafia has done yet or what the Bill's backers of Southwest Florida have done yet. Um, but I am looking at reaching out to some of the folks down there who are running the Bill's backers bars and seeing what we can do 
to help the area out and, and, and maybe help out some fellow Bills fans as well. Yeah, I love that. I mean, even if it's if it's helping helping people who down there who are Bills fans, you know, take a couple hours on Sunday and kind of forget about their problems for a few minutes. That would be great. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I appreciate that, Nick. And we'll definitely, you know, mention some more ways on how we can, how we can help the area. Hey, love that. All right, Nick. So uh, anything else before we sign off for the week? No, sir. Just want to say thank you again to our sponsor, as, as always, Ethos Performance Rehab. If you want to feel better, play better, train better, feel better afterwards, Ethos is who you need to call. Tell them the process is sent you. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, folks, appreciate you guys joining us. Um, appreciate uh, – one second here, Nick. I just got a text. A late entry. Wow. And post ad read entry. Post, All right. Post ad read entry. I did have one question just come through super late. <laughs> uh, and the question is kind of similar to what I asked, but I kind of want to hear your situation or your, your thoughts on it. Is this a week that we see the Bills running backs bounce back against a pretty depleted Pittsburgh defense? Uh, you're saying running backs plural. So to answer that question, I will say no with with the plural. I, I could see us many scenarios where Devin Singletary gets going. I don't I don't know that I see this team being a, a multi multi feature back on on the ground. You know any anytime soon. Josh Allen's basically you know RB one A. If they can get Singletary going, that's great. Are they getting Moss and Cook and everybody going all together, or even even in, in spurts? Like, I don't know if I see that um, see that coming right away. So the only way I would amend my answer is if, uh, if there's some some garbage time at the end and people pick up their yards, and then the the, the box score looks looks pretty healthy afterward. Yeah, I think we're going to see a little bit more James Cook this week. I think with the receivers out. You know, guys down and hurt. I think we see a little bit more James Cook in this game. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe this is the James Cook breakout game we've been waiting for. Could be. I'm waiting for James Cook and Dalvin Cook to have touchdowns on the same day. That'd be cool. That'd be pretty cool, right? Uh, the, the Cook brothers cooking, right? That'd be, but, I hey, don't know. they're playing November 13th. You never know. Maybe it'll be a, a few weeks. I will be at that game. So I am, you know, hoping that I see Cook versus Cook. Wow. I need to put this in my calendar. I did not know Charlie in, in Buffalo. Yes, yes, I will be there. I will send you my dates. Uh, but I uh, appreciate everyone tuning in this week. Appreciate our sponsors, Ethos Performance Rehab. Uh, give them a call. Let them know that the Process Podcast sent you. Uh, you can follow Nick on at Nick Veronica on Twitter. You can follow Nick on Facebook at By Nick Veronica. Follow me on Twitter at Chowit68. And you can follow the Process Podcast on Twitter at the underscore process pod. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Appreciate everybody listening. Most importantly, remember to always trust the process.